this is Vinyl Master Shane here with Diamond Dave and welcoming Rudy Sarzo of Quiet Riot and so many other bands. Rudy, welcome to the show. In a world entrenched in darkness, desperately seeking hope and security, a coalition of nations invoke a highly classified program commissioned by their ancestors generations ago for such a time when all else has failed. They called for but one man to light the flame, to carry the torch, which is really a guitar, ready to blast the battle cry. Behold, the time has come for rock and roll. Welcome into the show, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Part two of our Rudy Sarzo interview. Part one was fantastic. He talked about his early influences, including watching the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. And you know that anniversary just came up February 9th, 1964. That inspiration sticking with Rudy throughout his entire life. In part one, he talked about the early days of Quiet Riot, working with Ozzy Osbourne. In part two, he talks about Whitesnake and Dio and a project that involved let's say a sort of white snake reunion but first we get to the vinyl master shane he re he lived that era so he's going to relive it for us tell us all about it sadly he could not join us for the interview but here is the vinyl master giving us the lowdown on that era and if you lived it i'm a little bit younger so if you lived it well this will bring back memories for you as well oh yeah Your thoughts on uh, just that era? Well, just a great band, a great time. Um, I saw them on their, their Metal Health Tour, uh, 83. You know, everybody liked that album. I mean, that's all you heard that year. Was that, was Mama, We're All Crazy Now, and, you know, the, the singles, Bang Your Head, Metal Health. Um, and uh, Rudy was already with Ozzy, with Randy, and when that, you know, when obviously when Randy died, uh, Rudy went on to other things and uh, just uh, extremely important heavy metal band member. He played in practically every group that was a group in that time and, and uh, it was always cool to see where he was going to land next, but just a premier bass player, heck of a guy and uh, an amazing musician. He'd go on to Blue Oyster Cult, as you said. Uh... Oh, he's on Dio, um, which... Uh, you told me. I didn't even know he was in Dio. He was in the latter era of Dio from 2005 to 2010. He was in Whitesnake after, uh, pretty, pretty soon after he, he left Quiet Riot. Uh, he was with them for about seven years. Who knew? I think, now, yeah. Well, Whitesnake was a little weird. It was, um, he was there for a while. I forget the timetable, but yeah, it was a little bit weird because like John Sykes, they, they did that record, um, the 87 album. Sykes left, uh, had an argument with David Coverdale and and they, re they, they built that video. The story was like, all those videos, Here I Go Again, Is yeah. This Love, Still of the Night, they had, um, they, you know, that band met on the set of those videos. Like, they didn't actually That's play awesome. on the album. <laughs> and and uh, a little interesting thing, Rudy, Rudy played in the 70s uh, when he was starting out as a young buck, played with the band Angel, which uh, Angel was like one of those uh, corporate metal 
I don't even if, I don't even know if I use the term metal corporate rock uh, manufactured glam band and mm. uh, they were uh, five or six guys that were dressed uh, exactly like women it was hard to tell if they were even guys honestly my brother had a bunch of their records and uh, Frank Zappa made fun of them and a bunch of other artists made fun of them uh, the guitarist name was Punky Meadows and it was kind of a like a a big joke with a lot of the all those bands. names, like you know. <laughs> I think was it one of the was it Eric Carr who wanted to go by the name Rusty Blades, but the guys yeah. in Kiss said no or something <laughs> like that. Rusty like, Blades. Uh, Zappa was not a fan, mm. and uh, he didn't like that kind of manufactured uh, rock and roll, so to speak. But. Yeah. That was one of Rudy's early jobs. I, at, at least with, that's what the records show, and uh, pretty cool. Uh, he also played with Ing, Ingwe Mal. I don't know how to say his name. Ingwe. Ingwe Malmsteen, Ing, I think. Ingve that might Malmsteen. be wrong too. I don't know. <laughs> um, and he also played with um, the Dio Disciples and. Um, good God, how many bands did this guy play? I know Queensrÿche, Jeff Tate's version of Queensrÿche. Yeah. Uh, Operation Mindcrime, Devil City Angels, Manic Eden. Rudy got around, and uh, rightly so, because uh, he was uh, he was one of the greats. Yeah. He is cool. one of the greats. Absolutely. We're honored to have him here. Hey, everybody. This is Rudy Sarso, and I'm talking rock with Dave Kinton. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to know more about this show or your host, go to our website, DaveKinchin.com. And of course, always find us on social media on Twitter at DaveKinchinUSA and on Facebook. Just search Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin. I've been a fan of all these bands, of course, you know, been a fan of Quiet Riot, been a fan of Whitesnake, been a fan of, you know, even the Mars Project. I wanted to ask you about um, the, the Whitesnake. It was kind of a unique era, I know, uh, when you got involved with them. Can you just kind of take me through that experience? Uh, I, you know, Vivian Campbell, I think, said that you, you guys had met on the set of one of the videos. Yeah, that's when we first met as, as, as a group. And it was kind of like a, it was... It was the uh, the video uh, still the night. Okay, so it was like the first time uh, because you know our the the artist relation person for Whitesnake for for Geffen representing Whitesnake was uh, John Kladner and he called each individual and asked them to come down to this video shoot and you know we did. Wow. <laughs> Adrian Vandenberg, I believe, had already uh, accepted the invitation to join the band, so it was just uh, Tommy. Yeah, baby, yeah, I mean, that had not yet, you know. And uh, so when we got together and we just got along so well, and of course, you know, with David, uh, we thought, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> that That's really cool, yeah. And was there ever any feeling, you know, that um, largely, you know, that band, that version of the band was not on the 87 album, but but went on the tour. Was there ever any any sort of reservation about that or concern about that? Or you just went out there and as the, as the videos show, you guys just had a blast and, and really killed it musically. Yeah, yeah, we did. Because, you know, listen, unless you are, unless you put a band together, and at that time, it's, uh, 
I was in Quiet Riot up until early 1985, I would say January, February. From 85 to the moment that we joined Whitesnake in the 87, Tommy Aldridge and I have been struggling to put a band together, a working band. Mm. So a band that would get signed to a record deal. We went through many phases. One of them being the uh, the Mars Project with Tony McAlpine. And that, that we thought we we were going to get a deal, a, a, a major record deal with that, but we didn't. I mean, the record companies just did not know what to do with us, you know. So that record was released on on the independent label, you know, uh, Shrapnel Records, who was the producer, the producer, uh, uh, Mike, you know. Uh, he... Uh, he released it just basically to recoup the cost of what it you know, of, of how much it costs to make the record, you know, okay. like party. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Is there any one project that kind of stands out as, as wow? I mean, that was the moment when you felt like you were in your element and and you were on top of the world. I'm sure. I mean, that happened so many times. I'm sure. But was is there that one project that stands out the most? Uh. I mean, they all do, but one one that came in late was definitely playing playing with Dio, you okay. know, getting to play with Ronnie James Dio because you know, and, and it came in late. Yeah, it happened in two thousand and four, and I was his bass player in Dio until he passed away in two thousand and ten, uh, and it wasn't just about the music; it was also about the uh, the, the the human factor of being a member of that band and getting to hang out with, with Ronnie, not just on a musical level, but also in a, in a human level, you know, friendship, you know. Uh, I learned a lot from him. I really did, you know. And uh, that that is definitely one of one of one of the special moments in my life, you know, getting to know somebody like 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 Ronnie James Dio and yeah. and uh, and you know being on, with him on stage and actually got got to record a, a few a few tracks with him too and we did the live dvd and so on you know we, we we've lost so many musicians last year and it just seems like every year there's somebody that we're losing neil peart and i don't know do you think about that you know and just those good times with the people you you knew when they were around well you know let's say if, if, I, if I pick a case like let's say uh you know the passing of kevin dubrow uh you know, I am, you know, I, Frankie still has the band, you know, Quiet Riot. Yep. And uh, I am his biggest supporter because we all worked very, very hard, every single one of us, to put the band on top. I mean, we did so much touring and hard work and, you know, in the studio making music and, you know, all the all the ups and downs of the industry that we survived, you know, because when, when the record was finished and ready to be released, nobody believed in the band locally in Los mm. Angeles. You know, we couldn't even get a manager. Uh, there was nothing. It was just us believing in, and that's all we had. We were our own fan club. Of course, you know, there were some friends that believed sure. in what we're doing, but yeah. I'm talking about us. It wasn't like, like people going out there and saying, man, you guys are going to be the, the new big thing. And no, no, it was no, it was the furthest from wow. that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so we worked very hard and whatever level of success that the band reached, you know, we'll work hard at it. And I, I, I would hate to see that disappear, to, to throw that away. 
you know that is very special to us so any i am i am frankie's and the rest of the guys in the band big biggest uh, uh supporter of flying the choir riot flag you know keeping it you know that torch burning bright you know yeah, we love Frankie, and I know he's going through some some medical challenges. Our prayers going out to him. Our, he's a fighter. He is. He's been a fighter ever since I known him. You know, so you know, he's out there fighting and and, and playing and and living. Yeah. You know, you cannot let the uh, let let it you know uh, destroy your life. You know, you have to like, you know, fight it every single day with everything you got. Yeah, that's true. Um, I know I just had a couple more questions if that's all right um, my producer Shane was uh, he's a bit been a big fan and he couldn't be here unfortunately uh, today but he uh, he wanted me to ask you about the the project angel he was because uh, he, he was reading up we were reading on your biography and he's like oh my I, I forgot about the, <laughs> about the angel project way back when and he just wanted me to to ask you you know I mean when that was going on I mean your your thoughts on that that group that project and kind of what the scene was like uh, around the time you were doing Angel I, you know what it's a, it, my my involvement with Angel even though I love the band and I was very proud that I was you know the third bass player that he had in the legacy of the history of the band um, but I never got to really make a record with him we spent a lot of time at, at the record plant making de- demos and we never got to play live I was only in the band for for maybe a couple of months until I got the call to audition for Ozzy, which I actually turned it down the first time I got the call from Sharon because I was, you know, I was I was an angel. And it wasn't until the next day that Ozzy called me again. And by that time, uh, I had a conversation with Kevin and he put some sense into me, the fact that I was sleeping on a the floor. There was <laughs> no money. The band didn't have a record deal at the time. That's why we were making demos, trying trying to get a record deal. You know, and I was starving, you know, and the fact that I was going to get to play with Randy Rhodes again, you know, but, you know, when I got the initial call from Sharon, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking, oh, I can't leave these guys because, you know, I'm, I got a commitment. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm having the conversation with her as I'm laying on the floor <laughs> without a bed, you know, it's so sleeping sh- on the floor. <laughs> it's it's you know, so <laughs> So there wasn't really too much, that much to commit to because there was nothing, you know. Yeah. It was just a bunch of guys that I really enjoyed being playing with and, and a band that, that I really, you know, loved and all of that. So uh, by the time I got the second call from Ozzy, you know, it would, that I was not expecting because you, you you do not expect lightning to, to strike twice, you know. So by, by then I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely I'll come down on audition, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think? You, you you mentioned sleeping on the floor and just you know the the trials and tribulations that you know bands at that time went through in the in the early beginning. You know when you're just starting out. What do you think about music today? It seems like a lot of these bands, some are really good, some you know I guess it depends on on your taste in music, but it seems like they pop out of nowhere. You know, or they put up something on YouTube, and I'm not necessarily criticizing it, but it's just so different. I mean, do you does your head kind of spin when you think about how you did it back then versus how bands kind of start out today? Yeah, but then you know things change. It's been changing since. Uh... Since the jazz age, <laughs> the blues, you know, hundred years ago, you know, yeah, been going through an evolution. And it's just a matter of matter of adaptation. Uh, the only thing that really concerns me right now is this new situation that we have starting this year 
with a, uh, uh, a bill that was passed. It's called the AB5 ah. bill that, uh, that eliminates the musicians doing gigs. <laughs> it's, it's made to, to actually get rid of the gig culture and, and without the gigs. I, I, musicians invented the whole gig thing. Yeah. And if they get rid of the gig culture in California, you're getting rid of the music industry, basically. Because, because that's how we operate. We, we, we don't labor. That law was passed for labor. We musicians, we, we gig. We don't go from a nine to five right. in a building and, and labor or going to a field to pick, you know, fruits and vegetables. We gig. You know, yeah. and, you know, with different projects and different things, and this is this is my only concern right now with with the music industry locally and in California. Yeah, what's going to happen to to the future of it if musicians cannot survive because they 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 are now expected to be cut to be to be laborers. Yeah, uh, I you know what I've got to look into that more myself. I but that is very concerning. I mean, like you said, you know, the show. Your gig happens when it happens. It's not a regular, you know, yeah. it's not a regular reoccurring thing. Yeah. 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 And uh, so that's my biggest concern. But just my concern, not because of the music industry as a total, but just my concern of musicians that would usually gravitate to Los Angeles to network and, and make a name for themselves within the industry locally by doing showcases or you know performing live and or recording in in, uh, in studios locally that's all going to be eliminated mm. that's yeah that's very concerning well you know what we here on the podcast we're going to keep an eye on that one um and we certainly i mean we support music we support musicians so we're we're going to very uh, watch that very closely thank you so much for the heads up on that yeah i mean i know some some uh bands and musicians because it affects everybody, even tribute bands. Tribute bands really don't make that much money, you know. And as a matter of fact, a lot, a lot of musicians who are members of tribute bands, they are in various tribute bands, mm. and, and it, it's it's really hurting the people that are making the least and working the hardest. Because you know, musicians don't work for an hourly rate. Right. <laughs> they get paid by the gig. Club owners, owners would not pay them anymore unless they have a DBA. Now they're a business, and now they're supposed to like, you know, give themselves uh, benefits, you know, yeah. and and all, all all of the above. And it, it's 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 going to be harder to hire local musicians because not everybody can actually you know be afford to be a part of that system. Yeah, boy, that's yeah, that's real troublesome. I, um, you know, and, and plus the spirit of music, it's just it's one of those things you don't want to discourage people uh, from celebrating that spirit of music and playing those gigs, you know. And and this seems like something that would certainly suffocate that, which is yeah. just no, bad I mean, all around. Know, yeah, yeah. Musicians are very resilient. They'll just move to a to a state that is friendlier for them to work on. I mean, already there's been a huge migration away from California leading to uh, Nevada. Okay. Also going to uh, Tennessee because, you know, Nashville is, is a, is a huge scene now. Musically. Oh, I know, I know a lot of rock musicians 
that just moved to uh, to Tennessee. Yeah, Neil Sean just bought a house down there. I saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, let me ask you a uh, last question I had. I mean, what's uh, next for you? I know you're still with the Guess Who right now. I mean, what's your next uh, big sort of project on your horizon? Well, I mean, next uh, the Guess Who keeps me super busy, you know, the whole year. So, and I pick up, you know, uh, different projects here and there, just you know, to contribute. Like I, I was just asked by my 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 White Snake bandmate Adrian Vandenberg and Didier Friend to play on a. Uh, on his new record, I did three three tracks, just as a special guest, and that's all. That's you know, cool. Things like that. Like, yeah. for, for old times' sake, that, that had to feel uh, pretty cool, huh? Oh, yeah, well, wonderful. Well, I mean, anytime that I can share, you know, uh, experiences like that with my friends, it's always very special. That's wonderful. Uh, Rudy Sarso, thank you so much, man. I've followed you online for a few years now, and, and you're, you're, you've always been a gentleman with the interaction uh, that you have with your fans, and, and I just can't, I can't thank you enough for your time. Well, thank you so, so much, and, and to all your listeners, thank you for, for your support all these years. We cannot thank Rudy Sarzo enough for taking the time to stop by. I hope you enjoyed part two. Part one is up if you did not get a chance to listen to that. Thanks again to the vinyl master. We call him Shane for stopping by. And uh, yeah, that's it. Nothing else really left to say. Check us out. Rock of Nations with DaveKinchin.com. All of our social media pages you heard about earlier. We will be back very soon, my friends. Oh, yeah.